Welcome to Anila Rose Podcast. My name is Ina Rose, and today we're discussing sex education for all. And when I say all, I mean all. Now, I know most of us had sex education at least in high school, but that is just a fragment of sexuality. Furthermore, at least when I was in school, they didn't really discuss how the female body works during sex and how to identify if something feels good to us. But most importantly, safe sex should be something everybody, no matter your sexual orientation, practices. And that's why we have Emily Steese on the podcast today to educate us. Emily Steese is a therapist and practicum at the Cashman Center in Minneapolis-St. Paul area, trained in sex therapy and CBT. Her pronouns are she, hers, and she serves members of the LGBTQIA+, and kink communities, as well as individuals 60 and older in both monogamous and ethnically non-monogamous couples. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to discuss this. It's a really important issue that impacts everyone. Yes, I am so excited to talk about this. So thank you so much for being on. Mm -hmm. How does the female body change and react during sex that most people are not aware of? So um, one of the things that the vagina does um, inside the body is it tense. It expands when it's aroused to allow room for a penis or fingers or toys. So there's this like common misconception often among um, straight cisgendered males that they're too big for a vagina, but that that's not true. Um, you might need more lube, but that could be due to a plethora of things. So that's a big one um, that's been around, I think, for as long as time. Um, and then the just like with males, um, during arousal, the blood flow goes down to the reproductive area. So the vagina might, or the whole crotch might look different. Um, the outer lips might look enlarged or swollen, and that's okay. The color even might look a tinge darker on some women, and that's okay too. It's all because there's a ton of blood down there. And um, the clitoris can actually become firmer because of that increased blood flow. Interesting. Awesome. Yeah, it's definitely not something they teach us in schools of like how our body is going to change for that. Exactly. And that's another reason why um, people should look at their anatomy and know what it looks like um, and know that if it doesn't look that way during sex, that's okay. It's not necessarily supposed to. And if it does look the same and you don't go through that much outward physical change, that's okay too. Um, getting to know our body is, is so important. It's also good for our health. Um, when we know what our normal state of being looks like down there, we can better find abnormalities like moles or lumps. And then we can get those checked out and, and intervene early if need be. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's amazing. That's, I, I had friends where I told them, like, you should probably look down there. Like, you know, what you like, what you don't. It's such like a taboo. Like, 
to even put a mirror down there or talk about masturbation or like what mm-hmm. you like so you can you know climax during sex like my friends are like oh we we don't and I'm like what mm-hmm. you you don't and you still do it like I just I like didn't see the point at the time I was like then why do you do it like what mm-hmm. yeah and so yeah masturbation is super important too because you even get to know the like the feel of your inside part too. Um, And then again, that way, if there's any abnormalities, you can intervene early should you find a concern. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. What are common misconceptions people have about safe sex practices? So there are a ton of misconceptions out there. In a study done in 2017, it showed that 57% of females in the U.S. and 43% of males in the U.S. said that they received some sort of formal sex education before their first sexual experience. So we have a huge deficit of people walking around without this vital knowledge. Um, Sex education is essentially health. So once we start giving kids health class, or even I know a lot of elementary schools don't offer health class to younger kids, but in like their science classes, when they talk about health and they talk about the anatomy, we should be talking about our reproductive systems the same way we talk about the brain and the spine. So- Yeah, so I'm so glad you asked about that because there are a ton of misconceptions. So a lot of people don't know that the vagina is self-cleaning. And so um, we have people going out and douching, thinking that, oh, I need to do that for just my day-to-day upkeep. And while that might be true for some people, douching should only be done per your doctor's orders. Um, And they'll tell you at a yearly visit that you need to incorporate douching and they'll have a discussion with you about it and they'll make recommendations. Um, But yeah, like, and the same with penile hygiene. They don't really talk about how um, if you're not circumcised, you have you should clean your penis a certain way by flipping up that tip and just getting under there with a, with like soapy water. That's it. You don't need to scrub. Um, and cleaning the vagina, even people are taking baths and showers and they're taking their bar of soap and they're getting it down there and they're scrubbing and you don't need to do that. You know, you might want to just wash like around the pubic bone and um, your the outside of your lips. But the great thing about most, most vaginas is that it's gotcha. It'll clean itself. It has everything it needs. And like I said, a doctor will tell you if yours doesn't and, and they can make recommendations on what's best for your unique situation because everyone has a different pH and things like that so yeah, yeah. definitely I like and how you 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, no, go ahead. Cause I was going to jump to something different. So for another misconception. <laughs> oh no, go ahead. This is like the floor is yours for misconceptions. Oh, okay. Perfect. So, um, they also don't talk about hole switching, which is really important during sex because some people can go from having vaginal intercourse to anal sex in one, in one, I guess it's session. <laughs> um, and so um, that's not a conversation that's being had and it needs to be had because it happens and it's okay, but we have to do it safely because if we're having anal sex um, with no condom on and then we're switching to vaginal intercourse, we're then taking all of the bacteria from the anus and putting it into the vagina. And that's gonna mess up that vagina's whole ecosystem. That's where you might need to see a doctor if you're noticing any difference in discharge or odors. Um, there might be just some your vaginal flora might be off because of the introduction of bacteria. Um, and again, this is health, this is health stuff. This is the same way we talk about preventing cancer, the same way we talk about, you know, um, healthy eating, you know, just taking care. This is part of taking care. You can enjoy all the, you can enjoy anal sex and vaginal intercourse, but you can do it safely by using a barrier in between so you're not switching holes and inadvertently causing some, I guess, chaos for your vagina's ecosystem. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. Those are good things. Um, are there any other common misconceptions you've come across? Yeah, so people tend to not um, understand infertility. That's also not talked about in sex education because um, I think a lot of the focus is on preventing pregnancy and preventing STIs that they don't talk about, well, if you decide to have children, you might run into issues where you can't. Here are the various reasons why you might not be able to have kids and here's what you do. So then we have people who aren't getting pregnant and they're walking around berating themselves. How come I can't get pregnant? Every other woman I know is getting pregnant. Men are, um, you know, cause our heteronormative society really just puts an emphasis on like fertility and masculinity. And if you can't get someone pregnant, you're less of a man. So then we have males walking around, you know, questioning their manhood and it's really affecting our society's self-esteem as a whole. And um, it's really harmful, but it's common. And so, it needs to be discussed. Um, another misconception about sex is that we have so many, um, I guess, thoughts and attitudes as to what constitutes as normal. Um, as a therapist, I practice from a trauma perspective and we don't talk about sexual trauma until it happens or 
it it's happened and it's been years. So we have people living with sexual trauma and they're not able to enjoy sex. It can be very triggering for some people. Um, and they might have a complicated relationship with their bodies and it plagues them and it affects their mental health and it can creep up into relationships and affect relationships. Um, sex isn't a problem until it is a problem. And when it becomes a problem, it's a big problem. So yeah, you know, we often think that sex education is all about anatomy and how babies are made and how you don't get STIs, but it's so much more than that. Absolutely, definitely agree on that. Um, can you tell us about safe sex practices for LGBTQIA plus communities? Absolutely. So, and some of these apply to um, hetero, the heterosexual community too. There's so much overlap. Um, I think so many people get stuck on the fact that it's, um, you know, more people of the same sex having sex. Um, but like lubrication is so important. Lubrication can make all the difference. Um, but especially with anal sex, when um, you're dealing with an orifice that doesn't lubricate itself. And so then with anal sex, lubrication can really just make things more comfortable for both the person who's receiving and the person who's giving. Um, another thing about lubrication is that you don't have to go to Target to get your lubrication. Everyone's going to Target and they're getting these brands that are mass produced and you end up feeling like a silicone factory when you're done. And that's not the only option. I urge everyone to check out their local sex positive um, sex shops um, because they're welcoming. They tend to have more of a like emphasis on education. So for selecting which lubrication works best for you, because it isn't one size fits all. It's not just what's at your local pharmacy or grocery store. It's what fits you, what feels good to you, not all lubricants feel good to everyone. You should feel good while putting it on, while using it in action, and when you're done. Um, a lot of lubricants are based for male pleasure. They're created for male pleasure. They don't really think about the surface that's going on, except for the fact that they don't want it to create an adverse reaction to the skin or surface that it's on. But you, it needs to feel good at every point. It needs to feel not gross at every point. I know that's not very eloquent, but okay. yeah. And so um, another big thing is sanitizing toys. Um, toy sanitization is simple. Um, it can just be 
the gentle hand soap that you use and warm water. Um, it doesn't have to be pricey sex toy cleaner. It can be, that's fine. But then you'd also want to look at if that's a um, silicone-based um, cleaner or water-based because depending on what type of toy you're using, those materials aren't going to mix well together. So just a simple whatever you keep in your bathroom to wash your hands is typically fine unless otherwise stated on the packaging. And you should look at all of your toys packaging for cleaning instructions. Um, and then make sure that um, they're waterproof. A lot of wands, which you have to plug into the wall, aren't waterproof, but you can get away with just taking the part that touches your body and just running it under a steady light stream of water and then tipping it down. So then it doesn't, the water doesn't come into contact with the electrical unit. Um, Another thing is dental dams. Um, dental dams can be hard to find for oral sex um, involving a vagina. And so um, you can make your own out of a condom. So you take a regular condom and you snip the um, ends off and then um, snip it the long way, the hot dog way, I guess. And then now, you can unfold it and use it as a dental dam. You can keep it the bigger size because everyone's anatomy is different, um, but you want the whole thing covered. So the vulva, the clitoris, the and the labia, including the lips. Um, so if you're making your own dental dams, you just want to be sure of your partner and if they have any allergies. Some people are allergic to latex, so like lambskin condoms are a better option for them. And then same thing with lube. Not everyone is going to feel great. So you can do your research and see what works for you. Um, Another um, tip for the LGBTQIA plus community is that um, if you're sharing toys, use condoms. And, um, you know, you can, again, pick what condoms work for you. Um, pick what feels good. And same with your lube. And, you know, just keep that going because um, without condoms, if you're taking something that's been inside someone else and then their um their their just natural moisture is on it and then you put it in you you could not only get an STI but you could also again mess up your your vagina's natural ecosystem um so yeah and then um a big thing is knowing what could be triggering. Um, if a person is in transition, um, they might not, you know, want certain parts of their body touched or even really paid attention to during sex. So just communicate. Um, and that goes for people who have experienced sexual trauma too. Some sex acts can be very triggering. Um, 
And then um, there's also in, a thing called internal condoms that people with vaginas can use. Um, it's a large ring and you fold it similar to um, the uh, menstrual cups. You fold it and then you stick it up and then um, it expands. So um, if you're having group sex or swapping toys, you can use that as well. Um, and then, and you know what, those can also be used in anuses. So if you're having anal sex, you can use internal condoms. And wow. again, you would just need that lube. Um, another tip for this community is the use of prep for um, folks who are HIV negative. If you're going to be having sex with someone who's HIV positive or has AIDS, um, you can use PrEP and you can get PrEP at um, places like Planned Parenthood. Um, and like it's widely used. So if you go to your doctor, your doctor will most likely know about it. Um, for things like fingering and fisting, use sterile gloves. I think we especially appreciate that after COVID. <laughs> um, but sterile gloves and just start slowly um, with one finger at a time. Ask if it feels good. If it's not, dial it back. Um, pulling out while barebacking. Um, if you are barebacking is having sex without a condom is um, also safer. Um, I always recommend condoms um, because in the heat of the moment, you know, your, your brain is lighting up, your neurons are all over the place when you're having an orgasm or on the edge of having an orgasm. So it might be hard to pull out, but if you, don't know the status of the person you're with, or you don't know your own status, which we should all know our own status. There's no shame in anybody's game. If you have something that's cool, work around it, does not make you less desirable. There's so much out there that can, allows everyone to experience sex in a way that's pleasure, pleasurable for them. Um, and yeah, limit oral sex after oral surgery. No one talks about that. I've never heard a dentist talk about that. You know, I think they assume, you know, don't eat this or you'll get dry sockets. Well, what, what about other things? What if I want to put non-food items in my mouth? Um, so be aware of that. And then um, just set boundaries and communicate. Um, if you don't want your breasts to be on display or to be touched. If you need to keep clothing on, that's totally fine. If you're not happy with how post-surgery scars look, it's totally fine if you keep clothes on and work around or don't have penetrative sex at all. Like you can do other things to get sexual pleasure besides penetrative sex or even oral sex. Um, just got to get to know your body and know what works for you.
Yeah, those are all awesome tips. I mean, I learned some stuff just from you talking about that stuff. So thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no problem. And like, in that case, like exploring different erogenous zones, if your penis or vagina is just not something you're feeling comfortable with, kiss other places, you know, it's, I, it might sound like it's from like, one of those big glossy magazines, but like kiss in the places where you would put cologne or perfume, try that. Nipple stimulation, you know, it doesn't have to involve your genitals and you don't even have to touch the other person. Um, You can masturbate in front of each other. Um, Sometimes asexual people might just like the vision of that like just the you know it's seeing a person pleasure themselves seeing someone in that euphoric state can be pleasurable too um if you aren't like wanting to have actual sexual contact or if you just don't want to touch anyone um And then always know the effects um, of your hormone blockers if you're taking them um, because they can show up in various ways during sex and um, it just might change the experience, but that doesn't mean that you have to stop. Again, you can work around it. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, Bouncing off of you talking about um, asexuals. Mm-hmm. What are some safe sex practices for people who identify as asexual? So for people who identify as asexual, um, they should have this conversation with any potential partners who are not asexual. Because unfortunately, our society is so behind the times on education around LGBTQIA plus folks that um, asexual, you know, they're like, wait, what? You're, you, you don't experience attraction to people or you don't want to have sex, what? <laughs> um, so like just having that conversation and, um, you know, I, and that conversation can be hard. I understand that asexual people have the coming out experience. And so we know that that can be very fearful. So, you know, it sometimes helps to kind of, and I know this sounds silly, it can sound silly, but role play, role play with someone that you know and trust who knows about asexuality and, you know, get a script going. So when you go in, you have an idea of what you want to say. And then know what works for you. Hey, it, it works for me to watch you masturbate. Or it works for me to have really deep and profound conversations. Or I don't like to plan sex, but I do know that I can't have sex until we have created a strong emotional bond. Because what our society doesn't realize that I think asexual people totally get is that love and closeness looks different for everyone. And so that can mean just spending quality time together, 
holding hands for a long time, um, laying in bed and just rubbing each other. That can do it for some people, even if you aren't asexual. Um, and so knowing that it's a whole spectrum and your asexuality can surprise you. You might think, you know, I, I need to have a really strong connection with this person and that's going to take me this such and such time. But then here you are, you've created a strong connection in two weeks and you're like, I would like to do whatever feels good to me. Like I said, it could be just spending quality time, having deep conversation um, or talking dirty to each other, talking about sex can be sexy. Um, talking about sex can really do it for people and not and and not finishing. And so and, and then giving yourself room to explore, giving yourself room to explore by yourself or with a partner or partners. Um, another thing is, um, you know, if you are open to touch, share that, but then know your boundaries. It's okay to say, you know what, I think it's really sexy when you gently rub the back of my knee and kiss it, but I don't want you to go any further than that. I think it's really sexy when you kiss and lick my palm, but I don't want you to go any further than that. That's okay. That's okay. Um, and just know that like intimacy is subjective um, and figure out what that means for you. Because realistically, we can have sex with anyone, with anyone, but we don't create intimacy with everyone. That takes time and effort and vulnerability so yeah yeah definitely and, yeah and you you have needs and your needs matter meeting sexual needs does not necessarily mean climaxing or involving genitals in any way Mm -hmm. But still, still get tested if you are exploring and um, if you don't want to necessarily touch yourself, if you're not comfortable going there, toys can help. For sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you so much for speaking on that. Um, how can we destigmatize discussion revolving around sex education being taboo? especially regarding LGBTQIA plus communities? Um, it all starts with education, I believe. From a young age, um, schools are getting money to teach abstinence-only sex education. And that has never worked for us. Look at our society. Um, we, we have people walking around with these very limited views on sex. And... Um, you know, <laughs> we have all these people walking around that they don't know the names of the names of their anatomy. They don't know what they like. They don't know how to communicate what they like. And they don't know that it's okay to not like certain things. Um, 
So we have this deficit amongst everyone, but then we have this profound deficit, profound when it comes to LGBTQIA plus sex education, because we're only offering tips on how to, how to not get pregnant. Well, same sex people aren't getting pregnant um, unless they mean to, they have to try really hard to do it. it could cost a lot of money like they should talk about that too you know oh some families are started because they go to a clinic and they have a lot of medical intervention not all families are formed in this one way and so destigmatizing that and then realizing that just LGBTQIA plus history as a whole is a part of American history. When we can talk about Marsha P. Johnson in our classrooms, we can start to talk about, oh yeah, this person was gay and they have sex, Not there's no vagina there. So they use other orifices and a safe way to have sex. Um, with it with um, an anus is to use a condom with lots of lubrication or else it makes the other person uncomfortable and could injure them and that's serious and it's important because we want sex to be actually we want sex to be safe not just in the sense that people aren't having unwanted pregnancies and people aren't getting STIs. We want everyone's bodies to come out the same way they were <laughs> when they started sex. Unless of course the person maybe didn't want that, but that's a whole nother interview. Um, but, um, you know, and, um, you know, talking about asexual people, you might like someone one day and you might wanna have sex with them. You might wanna explore their bodies, but they might not be on that same page and that's okay. Here's what you can do, um, you know, and sex isn't just a penis and a vagina and an, an insertion. It's totally not that. And like you can dry hump, like um, that's safe too. Like all of these things for this whole, our whole community of people, we're not teaching kids. So we're oppressing them in our classrooms because we know knowledge is power and we're not giving that knowledge. 100% for sure. That's definitely not being shared. Unfortunately, yeah. So um, my hope is that um, one day we can reverse what we're doing and instead of giving schools money to teach abstinence only education, give them money to teach inclusive sex education. That means talking about LGBTQIA folks and the whole spectrum of sexuality because for every straight man that has sex with a woman, he's been attracted to another man. His penis, I'm convinced, has stirred at the sight of another man. And then he felt bad about it. Um, I once had a friend who said, if you see a booty or some boobs you wanna bite, that's fine. It doesn't necessarily mean 
you're gay or bisexual, it means you're human. And I thought that was so true because the fe- the the body is amazing. Our body does wonderful things. If it means you're gay, lesbian, or bisexual, that's fine too. But, you know, it's a whole spectrum. And you might want different things at different points in your life. It's not uncommon that my clients come to me and, you know, they're confused, you know, but there are plenty of people out there who have said, you know what, I love having sex with a man. I never want to be in a relationship with a cisgendered man, though. Same for females. Some people don't want to have sex, don't want to have a relationship with a female, but they appreciate the female form sexually. Um, and it's, it's a spectrum, this whole thing about labeling too. We don't have to label each other to death. We can just accept each other as we are. And that needs to be a part of this narrative too in our schools. And not just about the way you look or the way you learn or the way you talk or the way, you, you know, about who you love and who you choose to be with and be intimate with. So radical acceptance, basically, in short. I like that. Radical acceptance. That's mm, that's good right there. <laughs> Thank you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share with our viewers on this topic? Always do your homework. And there are sex therapists out there. I, um, I am not a um, certified sex therapist yet. I plan to be in the future, but like find someone on psychology today and see if you can set something up. Um, There's also certified sex educators out there. Um, Elle Chase is one who she's all over social media and just her social media offers great tips. and so real and the acronym for sex educators is CSE certified sex educator and then um they're great for questions but again so are sex therapists um and so yeah never feel bad about being confused people want to help people are here Yeah, that's beautiful. I like that. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We really enjoyed having you. Thanks. I really enjoyed this as well. Awesome. Take care. Thanks. You as well. Thank you. So there you have it. Today we got to discuss sex education for all. Because honestly, there should be more of it and we should always strive to learn about sexuality beyond what is taught to us in schools. But basically, consent is required and open communication so that you and your partner or partners can enjoy yourselves. If you have any further questions, especially regarding LGBTQIA+, you can find organizations such as glsen.org that is teaching comprehensive sexual education that is not being taught in schools. Thank you for watching the Manila Rose podcast. Keep an eye out for season three. And remember, it's not sexy, it's racist. Take care. Tune in next week for our mini-episode on using pronouns with Rin.